really talked, and I'm going to do one tonight on being called and capable. So what is a core value? It's kind of um, the soul of why you do something, the heart behind it. Um, it's sometimes what you aspire to be, but not quite the reality yet. <laughs> I think I can relate to things I value that I'm not quite there yet. As followers of Christ, we are called to do some stuff. And so we're going to look at what are we called to do and why are we called to do it and how do we do it and what would our community look like if we did and what would we look like if we did. Uh, we have the Micro Church Handbook, and I think Aaron wrote it. But I love this statement under called and capable. It says, part of our great adventure in following Jesus is growing in our awareness of how God has uniquely created us and what he's created us to do, and then increasingly living into that calling. What if we did? My hope is that you realize that you have a lot to offer. Ephesians 4 urges us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Um, some of these callings I think we've talked about in, in the past here, that most of them are, are come out of that Ephesians 4 passage about uh, the acronym APEST, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. I know uh, Charlie's for sure a shepherd, and I think pretty sure Aaron's an apostle who apostles like to start new things and launch out. Uh, have any of y'all done that? APES testing? Yeah, yeah. What are some of the things? Um, I got a teacher and a shepherd. <laughs> what about what about you, Lynn? What were you? Apostle. Uh, so um, those are interesting, but those aren't the only ones, uh, only spiritual gifts uh, listed. So I'd like to read a scripture together um, that talks about some of the other spiritual gifts that I think might be more uh, applicable to some of us than, than those big terms. So let's read it together. For just as each of you has one body with many members. I'm not hearing anybody but me. <laughs> For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Well, spiritual gifts are messy. It's hard work, and it can be dangerous. But wow, what are the results when we do um, operate in our giftings? It's like a bunch of random Legos, is the way I think of it, uh, that we don't really look like very much individually, but collectively we can build together and really make something. Um, we're being built together in as the body of Christ. That's what Scripture tells us. So each using our own talents to help each other and build each other up. Uh, so Pierce recently, I don't know if y'all knew this, he gutted his basement, which was uh, very old. And he got lots of people to help him, and they worked really hard on it. And in the end, it looks awesome. They made an Airbnb out of it, and it's a source of income for them. It's a guest house. And I just thought that was such a beautiful example of what it looks like when a community comes together, each with their talents. He had to hire some people to do some things that he wasn't quite sure of. And, and you, you know, things happen. Things improve. Things look better when we work um, together for that common goal. 
I just loved that. Um, doesn't it look so nice? Um, although the callings, when I look into the Bible, for examples of people that had big callings, I think of the patriarchs like Abraham and Moses, and those are really amazing stories. But I wanted to talk tonight about the calling and the life of one of the apostles, Andrew. Um, so first of all, um, Andrew, he was just a fisherman. He was kind of from a little town in Galilee that uh, they dug up that area and they, don't, they didn't have any stores. It was very, very rural. Um, he ended up becoming a follower of John the Baptist. And so he saw some of the very early things happen, like uh, Jesus being baptized and John proclaiming that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was there um, when that happened. And scripture tells us in John 1 that he and John um, saw Jesus and decided to ask him where he was going. And Jesus said, follow me, come and see. And so he was really one of the first disciples that was called uh, to become a follower of Jesus. And to me, that is just um, such a great um, thing to start with, because when we talk about our calling, the number one calling is to follow Jesus, is to become a believer, to um, start a relationship with him. All the other callings we're talking about um, start with that foundation of, of being in Christ. So the, the next thing uh, that Andrew did was he went on to go and share all of what he had seen of Jesus immediately. It says, Scripture says immediately, he went to tell his brother, whose name was Peter, or later would become Peter. So uh, Peter, uh, he told Peter that I've seen the Messiah. So Andrew believed very early and um, had a relationship with his family to be able to share that with his brother. And so I love that because Peter goes on to become what I would call a celebrity pastor. Um, and it really all started with Andrew's calling and Andrew's um, willingness to be in relationship and share who Jesus was uh, with his brother. So like Andrew, we share what we know and have seen about Jesus with our family. Um, that's our first next calling is um, in context of family. Uh, all, several of you have little little disciples downstairs and they're your calling. Uh, one of my callings right now is to care for my mom who's 86 years old and wants to live independently and is right there on that edge. She can do a lot of things and it's pretty amazing at 86. But, but I, I definitely feel like my calling is to be there for her um, in ways to support her independence as long as she can. So um, it can be really difficult with families, you know. So I, I want to point out that sometimes that's the place in our families that we show the grace of God, we show the forgiveness of God. Our calling is to be reconcilers, peacemakers, and uh, we get lots of opportunities, I think, sometimes in family to walk out our faith in really powerful and special ways. Okay, so this early band of disciples, uh, including Andrew, they went with Jesus to this place called Samaria, and um, they were all from Judea, Judea. kind of went Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. And Well, they, they grew up in Galilee, but they were all Jews, and Jerusalem was in Judea. And right in the middle of this was this area named Samaria. And um, the Jews at that time were very prejudiced against Samaria. And so if they went to Jerusalem and they wanted to go home to Galilee, they would go around it and because they didn't want to go through it because of their prejudice against the Samaritans. And so 
what's so interesting about Jesus is he took his disciples very early on, it describes, and just went right into the middle of Samaria to go from Jerusalem to uh, their hometown, Galilee, where Jesus was from too. And he meets a woman there at a well, and he, he had sent the disciples on into the town to get... Um, food. And he has this whole dialogue we have recorded in scripture with her. And so I love this story um, when he talks to the woman at the well, when Jesus does, because it's so cross-cultural. She was the marginalized person. She was the least of the least. She was a woman in a time where Jewish men didn't speak to women. She was from a different culture. Um, She was from a culture that had a lot of um, problems, let's just say. And so it, it just shows, it's such a powerful reminder that Jesus is um, wants to go right into the middle of um, places where there are challenges, people that have challenges. She had a lot of challenges in her life, a lot of relationship challenges, and he wants to have those conversations. And so Andrew got to see that. He got to see that Jesus is cross-cultural, he's cross-gender, he crosses religious boundaries, and he's crossing into nationalities that weren't you know, his people, so to speak. And so that really um, um, inspires me that our micro churches meet out there in our homes. We meet out there in communities and we seek to be people that cross barriers um, like Jesus did when he went into Samaria. We are called to relationship with others outside what I call our holy huddles. It's really um, easy. My own personal journey is one out of holy uh, holy huddle a very comfortable suburban lifestyle to move into the city um, because God opened my eyes to see people in need and desire, gave me this desire to know them, to hear their stories, to um, see what I could do to help them. And it it started with women that that struggle with addiction, um, domestic violence, and poverty. And it it has just grown into this desire to live among people that have problems that are different than mine, but we have so much in common and they teach me so much and I get so inspired by them when I see God move in their lives and move them out of um, difficult situations and difficult relationships. So um, our microchurches aspire to meet people and authentically love them with our gifts wherever they are. Um, So Eli inspires me. He made my list, and I didn't even know he was talking tonight So, <laughs> with the coffee shop. So that just tied in so so beautifully. So next, do you remember when we were doing the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus fed the 5,000? Well, it probably was really more like 15,000 because the 5,000 didn't include all the women and children. And our character, Andrew, makes an appearance in John's account of this. This miracle appears in all four Gospels, but John tells us it was Andrew that found the little boy that had the, the fish and the loaves and, and brought him to Jesus. And I love it when he did. Andrew said, um, I found this little boy. He has five loaves and two fish, but, but how far will it go with so many? And so I love the, um, that Andrew took initiative to see, and he saw the problem. He took initiative to go try to find a solution to the problem, and he was honest with Jesus about his doubts about how what could happen here. And I can just so relate to that. And um, it inspires me to uh, look and see what the needs are in the people around me and what are the resources around. And then even though I may not feel like I have much, bring what I have, what I find to Jesus and see what he can do with it. Um, If he can work those miracles, those types of things in our midst. 
So I wonder, do you ever look at your lunchbox or your toolbox of giftings like I do and think, um, wow, I don't have much to offer? So uh, sometimes the problems we face or the problems we see others face are really big, like how do you feed 15,000 people? Um, so it encourages me to look at Andrew and the way he took initiative and saw the need and brought something to Jesus to do something about it. And I hope that you see that you too can make a difference. Look around and start to notice what people need and what challenges they're facing. Then offer what you can and trust God to make a difference. Jesus can do a lot with a little. Um, okay, so the next one, side note, I have two sons and their names are Philip and Andrew. And I did not know about this next Andrew encounter when I named them that. But Philip and Andrew were both two of the disciples. I did know that. And they um, brought some, uh, a message to Jesus that there were some Greek people that had heard that Jesus had raised somebody from the dead, this man named Lazarus. And so Andrew brought the, uh, the message that the Greeks want to talk to you about this. They're pretty amazed that, that you did this um, for this man, Lazarus. So um, I'll get back to that. But after his resurrection, Jesus gave Andrew and other disciples what's known as the Great Commission. And in that, he said, um, go and make disciples of all nations. And so I just think it's so interesting because when you, you look at historically at the life of Andrew, he did go to the Greeks after, um, after this great commission. He did go to those places around the Black Sea, places like, that, uh, like Ukraine and Greece. And the uh, main church in Kiev is named after him, St. Andrew's. And uh, his, their church is all the way over to Scotland, named uh, St. Andrews. So um, those are attributed to the work that he did in the, the, his calling to spread um, to these far-off places. So Andrew inspires me to think about the world beyond my own current circle of influence. Uh, Lynn and I just got back yesterday from a medical missions conference, and we went to see some friends that serve in Ethiopia, in Africa. And it was just very overwhelming to see all the need uh, all around the world, uh, that poverty inflicts, the physical needs, spiritual need, emotional need. and But it was also inspiring to see all these ministries, international min- Christian ministries that are um, nonprofits that are doing relief work all over the world to meet some of those needs in Jesus' name. So Andrew inspires me to think about the world beyond my circle of influence, and I hope he inspires you to do that too. The last recorded message of Jesus is in Acts 1, and it's before he was taken up at the ascension. And he um, says, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Galilee, and to the ends of the earth. We have these same circles of influence. Uh, Jerusalem is kind of like our churchy family. There are friends that know our junk, but help us follow Jesus anyway, you know. Um, there are people that we come to that when we need prayer, and those are our, our Jerusalem people. Our Samaria people are people that we're in relationship that have deep needs that maybe um, have challenges in their life, circumstances or situations that are hard. Maybe they're the people that have um, been oppressed or been discriminated against. And we know them. They're, I walk past them where I live in the city all the time, the homeless, the addicted um, neighbors that I know are struggling financially, and maybe you have people like that too. Uh, Charlie calls these mercy ministries. You know, when we want to reach out to Samaria-like places and people that just have some deep suffering in their life. 
Uh, Galilee, that's more like our homies, you know, our home people. Jesus was from Galilee. Um, Andrew was from Galilee. And those are the people, it could be family, friends, you know, our, our people that we are, our people, people we barbecue with, if you know what I mean. God says care about people suffering in the far off places too. That's part of our calling is not just to stick with our closest circle of friends and family. So I love Heather's story of the way God has opened her eyes and moved her heart, her heart toward people outside of her immediate circle. It's just what he does, and it's part of his calling on her life, and it's just beautiful to hear her share about that. So how has God brought you into interface with people from far-off places to show them the love of Christ? Uh, we're going to hear in a couple of weeks from a couple in here that um, spend a lot of time with Chinese students at the university, and we host a lot of internationals at our house. Uh, we have an Airbnb-type apartment, too, and, and we have one here tonight, actually, from one of our internationals that's with us this year. So in lastly, um, in the big question in all this is how do we fulfill our calling? That's, that's the big, how do we do this? So I want to give you some, some ways I see. Um, we've talked about you have God-given abilities. The Scripture says it, that he gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, that, that we're each wired a certain way. God-given abilities that he's made us to have certain temperaments um, to use to, to love on other people, to show mercy to other people, to serve other people. Um, you have current circumstances. That's part of your calling. Wherever you're planted, even if it's a hard place, that's part of where God wants you to be light and and bring good to hard places, bring, bring softness to hard places. So you have God-given power. Uh, we know the second to last thing, before he said go into Jerusalem and blah, 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 he said, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he gives us power through this mysterious thing called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we're spiritual beings, and God is spirit. And so there's this beautiful promise that his presence is with us in a very personal and powerful way when we become believers and followers of Jesus. And he gives us the strength to do things that we wouldn't naturally be able to do with just our spiritual gifts alone. I like to liken it to um, you wouldn't mow your lawn without like turning the lawnmower on and putting gas in it. Using your spiritual gifts without the Holy Spirit is like that. Or it's like vacuuming without actually plugging in the vacuum cleaner. It just wouldn't make sense or be very effective. You also have God-given instructions. We have the Bible. This is his blueprint about how to love people well. What is he calling us to do? He tells us we have his God-given instructions. You have God-given community. Like I said, your circumstances, the people that you live next to, that you work with, they're part of your God-given community. In this community, this space, we want to help each other. We want to help each other know our spiritual gifts, learn to grow in our spiritual gifts, encourage each other to use our spiritual gifts. That's why, uh, you know, Charlie's trying to get Heather up here, you know, because she really is a gifted speaker. We're just hoping that God's timing with that matches up with all of her other responsibilities sometime soon for us. But 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, 
but also our very lives. So we seek to do this, our callings in the context of community here and closeness here. We value that kind of love and acceptance here. That's why we share meals afterwards. That's why we're going to go share a meal really soon. I need you. You need me. I support you. You support me. I disciple you. You disciple me. Um, that's how the, the body of Christ is meant to work. True callings are only driven by love. If, if we're not doing it out of love, it's like the scripture says it's like a gonging, uh, a gonging, clanging gong, exactly. I got it all mixed up, got tongue-tied. Clanging symbol, clanging gong. And it means we're nothing. It, it's worth nothing. So we have to do whatever we do. We have to have faith and we have to do it in love. What if we did? What if we loved well and pressed into our individual callings? What would our collective community look like? Well, I recently saw a five-piece band, um, and this is the band. This, I just got this picture off the internet, but uh, it it reminded me uh, of because well, I was preparing the talk about how um, we are not a one-man show here. We want to use different instruments. We want to, like the different talents that we all have. We all have a voice. This band really alternated who was doing the lead singing. They alternated who wrote the songs. They did different songs that different ones had wrote, different styles. Um, it's really beautiful to see people come together with their unique talents and their unique sounds and make a blended sound that music does. And that's really what we aspire to do here. We want everybody to be involved. That's why you'll see somebody, Chris will come up and, and introduce communion. And we'll have a different speaker next week. And we'll interview different ways, people in ways that God is using them in our community. It's, it's all a part of the symphony that we want to be uh, together. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church, said, The church is not the building, it's the people. It's not just the gathering, it's also the scattering. If we serve Jesus, then every act and thought has meaning. Acts of kindness aren't just niceties, they become acts of worship. So we want our worship not to be on a stage here um, on Sunday nights. We want our worship to be out doing these things that we're doing with our neighbors, our friends, our communities, our co-workers, our families. Um, there's just so many different contexts that we shared uh, tonight even about where God has us as part of our calling. We aren't an attraction model mega church. I don't know if you noticed that. We, we're really not that model. Uh, we're, um, we don't have a celebrity pastor. Uh, <laughs> So I liken us to more of a five-piece band of believers pressing into a relationship with Jesus and with each other. So that's who, kind of who I think we are. So we go out from here tonight to responsibilities all over the city. We carry with us an individual calling, and we have a collective calling to love people well. We pray God will scatter his light into dark places where he would be glorified. You are called and capable, and I hope you heard that tonight. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to put a um, couple of questions up just for a time of reflection. And I invite you just to think as you draw close to Jesus and reflect on this, that apart from him we can do nothing. But I wonder what are your gifts? What do you think? How do you think God has wired you? And we'll uh, just give you a couple minutes, and then we'll let uh, Chris do our communion table.